and welcome to the Hales Owen Apostolic Church. Apostolic meaning what God says, not what man thinks. Please enjoy this teaching, and if you want more, visit the website at halesowenapostolicchurch.org. us to do he he doesn't make the rules and regulations he just gives us the instruction um, of what is best for us and that instruction um, as you know we follow as you know as closely as we possibly can and that's why you know we call ourselves apostolics it's because we just want to be like the apostles and go and give this word out to the world as it was in the beginning of this new testament church and as it will be when Jesus Christ comes back again. Amen. So God bless you. Um, I'm having a different uh, welcome this morning. I've uh, got you a poem. And for those that know you, I'm not used to giving poems and things, but um, I read this and I thought this is a, this is a, this is a great vision <laughs> for our future. So I thought, right, let's, let's, let's share it today. And so I'm going to share it on the screen. So let's put it up. And as you can see, it is titled a, um, a, wonderful, a Wonderful Poem. I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back. Let up, slow down, back away or be still. My past is redeemed, my present makes sense, and my future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed visions, mundane talking, cheap living and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence or prosperity or position or promotions or plaudits or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on his presence, walk by patience, lift by prayer and labor by power. My face is set, my gait is fast. My goal is heaven, though my road is narrow, the way rough, my companions few, my guide is reliable, my mission is clear, I cannot be bought, deluded or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the adversary, negotiate at the table of the enemy or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up and preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach all I know and work till he stops me. And when he comes for his own, 
he will have no problem recognizing me. My banner will be clear. Father, I want to thank you. Thank you for those incredible words this morning, Lord. It, it is so clear, Father, of each one of our journeys and whoever's wrote this, Father, must have been in, in, in communion with you on that day. It's a pretty incredible poem, and I know, Father, it's written by, you know, mankind, but, Father, it is so clear. It is so scriptural, all those scriptures you've given us about vision and praying and our goals and our future and our faith and the path we take and the sacrifice and all the things you've asked us to do, Lord, so we would have a better life in this life and that hope that yes each one of our banners will be clear when he comes back for his church thank you father thank you for such beautiful writings and i know it's out of your bible so this morning we just give you thanks father for where we are in your kingdom right now in Jesus' name, amen. Let's get ready for our worship and let's just show the Lord how much we love him with our worship. In Jesus' name. Okay, thank you, church and Mark. Um, so today, um, I want to start by looking at the, um, or reference initially, the book of Malachi, which is, as most of you or some of you may know, it's only short, just four chapters, and it's actually the final book of the Old Testament. Firstly, a bit of background. The Jews have returned to their land after living in modern day Iraq for about 70 years. The temple has been rebuilt and the worship of God has been re-established. But things are not easy. While outwardly, everything seems okay, they have grown apathetic to God's commands and once again, bad habits had set in. As God's final spokesman at the end of the Old Testament, Malachi comes on the scene to challenge them and us to give God our best. Start by imagining a bridge which is held up by a pillar at each end. At one end is the beautiful statement found in Malachi chapter 1, verse 2, I have loved you. And at the end, we find a promise in verse 2, chapter 4. But for you who revere, which means honour, my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. The prophecy of Malachi begins with God's love in the present and ends with God's promise in the future. And everything in between is the bridge we need to walk across and is God's program how to get us there. As part of this journey, God longs for us to give him our best. Let's focus on one of the ways we can do that, namely... Give God priority over our possessions. Look at chapter 1, verse 8. 
when you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. The priests were accepting not just the second best from the people, but worse than that. They were bringing God sick sheep and, and goats. They were offering the ones that weren't worth anything. Imagine the parade of diseased animals limping and stumbling blindly towards the temple. Their oozing sores were covered with flies. Some of them probably collapsed even before they got there. The reason God says, is that not wrong, twice in this verse, is because the people, and certainly the priests, should have known better. In Leviticus 22, verse 2 and verses 19 to 20, God made it very clear that he was not interested in substandard sacrifices. Tell Aaron and his sons to treat with respect the sacred offerings the Israelites consecrate to me, so that it will not profane my holy name. I am the Lord. You must present a male without defect from the cattle, sheep or goats in order that it may be accepted on your behalf. Do not bring anything with a defect because it will not be accepted on your behalf. Here's the principle. God deserves priority over our possessions. These people were more concerned with keeping what they had than they were in giving God their best. Their hearts were not in it any longer. They were still coming to church, but it was just a meaningless ritual to them. They had accepted mediocrity in their lives. God tells them to try and offer their junk to the governor as payment of their taxes and see if he would accept them. The bottom line is they thought God didn't care what they did. After all, they were the people who'd worked hard. They had high taxes, bills to pay, and they didn't have a lot of extra cash. It's interesting because the priests could have said, hey, it's not our fault that the people are bringing their garbage to God. We're right. just sacrificing what they give to us. God doesn't buy this. He holds the priests accountable for what the people are bringing. Likewise, Mark as our pastor is responsible to make sure that we do not slip into a ritualistic religion that no longer gives God the best, which is why a section of the service each week reminds us of the importance of giving. It all comes back to the word of God, doesn't it? God makes it very clear what he wants and what we must therefore respond accordingly. There are at least three standards for sacrifices in scripture. Give the best. Israel had been taught to look through the flocks and find the one animal without defect or blemish to sacrifice. This wasn't easy to do because this animal was often the cream of the crop, the most expensive, the one used for breeding, but it was what God demanded. A good example is the story of Mary of Bethany found in John 12. She loved Jesus so much that she looked for the one gift she could give that would be the most appropriate expression of her devotion. She had been phenomenally forgiven and so she wanted to give greatly. As she went through her possessions, she looked for something that would represent her relationship with the Redeemer. And then she saw it, an alabaster jar of expensive perfume. 
which was worth almost a year's salary for a common working person. She went to Jesus with the jar, broke it, and spilled out its fragrant fluid over his feet. The whole house was permeated with perfume and the aroma wafted up to God in recognition of his weightiness. Are you giving God the best that you have? Secondly, give, God give to God first. You can sense the joy that accompanies giving in 2 Chronicles 31.5. As soon as the order went out, the Israelites generously gave their first fruits of their grain, new wine, oil and honey, and all that the fields produced. They brought a great amount, a tithe of everything. God is never to get the leftovers. He should receive what's right, not what is left. A recent survey showed that those who, who make the least amount of money contribute the greater percentage of their income to charitable causes than those who make the most money. Why the disparity? One reason is because when we don't have much, we recognize that what we do have is a gift and we want to give out of gratefulness. When we have more, we think we deserve it. And because we're spending what we have or in some cases, even more than we have, the thought of giving to God first is either absurd or absent from our minds altogether. And yet, God calls us to give to him first, no matter how difficult that may be. It's like the story of the widow in Mark 12, 41 to 44, who gave all she had, while those who had a lot gave just a token of their wealth. <laughs> Listen. God always measures the value of an offering by its worth to the person bringing it. And finally, giving should cost something. Israel had been taught that giving should be sacrificial. In 2 Samuel 24, David comes, came, to rec, came to the recognition that his own Sid had led Israel astray and God's judgment had come in the form of a plague on the people. David interceded in prayer and then he wanted to offer a sacrifice to God. He went to a place owned by a man named Aruna and told him that he wanted to buy his threshing floor so that he could build an altar to the Lord. Aruna generously offered to give the oxen for the offering and the wood for the fire, a kind of a turnkey sacrifice. All David had to do was to sit in the pew and everything would be taken care of for him. Wow. Instead of looking for a shortcut, David refused this discount and said to him in verse 24, No, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord, my God burnt, the Lord my God, burnt offerings that cost me nothing. Likewise, we must give sacrificially. So, are you giving God the best? Are you striving to give him the first? And does your giving cost you something? One of the best ways to monitor how you're doing spiritually is to take a look at your giving. Are you leaving God your leftovers or are you giving him priority over your possessions? Amen. Amen. Thank you very much indeed, David. And could you send me that, please? That's, um, that's excellent. You know, God is so clear, isn't he, about, about everything we have to do and you know and it, sometimes <clears throat> we feel that we can't and i fully understand that 
but there is a day that we will begin to adhere to what God has asked us to do and then our lives will begin to change we begin to change for the better and, and you know and it's not instantaneous I'm sorry to tell you but it comes everything comes with God in his time uh, but you know as a as being a born-again Christian for just over 27 years you know I, I don't mind telling people I struggled at the beginning um, to get uh, but once I realized and once I've seen uh, the rewards later on of what giving gave <clears throat> it never became a problem after that it just I just knew God first and then he puts my myself and my family first for us it's so simple it is thank you david god bless you okay we're coming to our <coughs> our time of uh, communion now <coughs> so as as um david has rightly uh i've just had my servant give me my um, my, my 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 things for communion thank you linda so that's smashing so communion is really fascinating when we learn more about god through his word and how he is always willing to try to reveal to us more about himself more about life and more about his kingdom his promises, um, again, are vast, and we've done this several times, you know, over 8,400, whatever it was, promises of, of goodness to the children of God um, of when they begin to obey him. And he tells us that, you know, very clear ways of how we can get to know him. You know, he, Jesus came to, to give us this incredible New Testament so we could break away from the law and have things placed upon our heart that we would follow Christ with our heart rather than our, rather than our head. And that, that's really important. And he says to us to learn of him and follow him, you know, and there's numerous the things that he has to follow. So please, do not get be concerned that you don't know everything. One of the beautiful things about having communion to God that, you know, he begins to lead us and the more that we desire and the more that we show him, the more that he gives us to the numerous, the numerous ways he wants to bless us through the, through, through the Bible is pretty incredible. And you know, when he starts to tell us things about what he wants to do with us, it, it, is, it is beautiful, you know, and, it, it, and we, you know, even when we're on our own, we're never on our own, never. So when we feel lonely or whatever it is, we've got to understand that, that these promises of God are amen and amen. So be it and so be it. It is so important that we we, we we see that so he tells us i'm going to be with you to the the end of the age i will never leave you and i'll never forsake you i am your god and you are my people and that's really important promises that, that that's the relationship he wants that father son 
he wants that God creation. He wants that, he wants that friend to friend relationship and, you know, and he, and he does that. So we can, we can understand that we're never on our own. He tells us, you know, that I want to dwell with you. And for us born again, Christians, it's even more intimate. He says, I want to be in you. And, you know, people find these, these sort of statements very weird, but they're not. When we know what he has for us and when we receive the Holy Spirit, God is beginning to try to live in us. And that's so important for all of us, that the more that we accept him living in us, the more he can help us in our life. I'll lead you, he tells us. I'll guide you, he says. I'll guide you into all truth. So no matter what we, where we are today, we're always got the promise that he's going to teach us more, guide us more, lead us more, and be with us more as we begin to follow him more. It's just, you know, it's, the, the gospel is so simple. But we, we, with our incredible brains, make it incredibly difficult. It's, you know, so it's about trusting him. And so in this life, he tells us, you know, he'll deliver us from all evil. So there we go. So whatever we're going through, whatever battles we're going through, the promise is he will deliver us from whatever we're going through. And guess what? It is a battle. So we do know we're going to go through some things. Remember? Was it, was it, was it, um, was it, was it Matthew 20? Oh, I don't know. When he turns around and he says, and in this world, you shall have tribulation you shall have trials and tests why because we've got an enemy it's a battle he wants to take you away god wants to draw you to him your choice no one else's choice but it's your choice that what we that what we do and so we know that they're there but the beautiful thing again isn't it i will deliver you from all evil so that's the promises that should keep us going and no, no matter what the battles are, the enemy gives us, and you know, and you know, and don't forget, it's the it's the battles, it's the temptations, it's the my thoughts versus God thoughts, and my ways versus God ways, you know, and and, and it's that battle that we're going to have. But it is clear, the more we try to do, the more that God tries with us. Look at this COVID; it's just wrecked the world, hasn't it? Every family, you know, is suffering at something, somehow, somewhere uh, because of it. You know, the isolation that we've had is not freedom, is it? It's not what we've, we're so, so, used, so used to having. And, you know, all, those, all that freedom we took for granted has been taken away for the last 12 months. And all those who break the freedoms, well, we know what happens if they don't follow the rules. More and more people get COVID. It's as simple as that. But what, what happens? Though? It creates depressions and oppressions and, and everyone, you know, anger and that, you know. And, and, I, and, and I looked at it, how many pe more people are isolated? Every time I see these good news about people going around and, you know, and people knocking on doors for people that they know who are isolated and, and trying there. So in one respect, it's brought a bit of community back. 
You know, I mean, even even walking even walking around the streets the last the last couple of weeks, it's it's been quite amazing that people actually say hello to you now. You know, <laughs> I mean, I used to go around the streets before, and people have look away, they would duck their heads, and there's more and more people say, "Hey, how are you?" and all the rest of it, you know. And so it, it's it's there's a little bit more community stuff. So there's a little bit bit of a breakthrough there, but you know. People worry more. They worry. They've started worry about their life and what's going to happen, and and the families, and you know our friends, our church, the nation, you know finance, education, all these things. People are beginning to have lots of problems, lots of worry about what's going to happen to our children, what's going to happen to me, what's going to happen in the future. Am I going to have a job? How am I going to afford to live? What are we going to do? And you know, and there it is, and that sort of that sort of pressure on people turns them to to drink and to other things and and you know and people you know will bring up every excuse to 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 say there's no god there's the battle that we're in faith in some respects seems to be becoming weaker as the as the enemy begins to battle the the whole country um about its christianity and we've seen it we know what it is and you know, again, you know that I, I read an article this week about the um, a couple of people in the Church of England synod, um, um, and one is one is a lesbian, and one used to be evangelical, and now they're going totally against the Word of God in everything they say, and yet the synod are ratifying their comments. There is the battle have moved away from the Bible and its doctrines as they are subjected to a barrage of change that this world wants to see. But we know who it is. This is the war we are in, the whole Christian world. The heavenly host is there to, to help us to do what they, they can do in the spirit. You know, God tells us we have the power over the enemy and we've got to be, Stand up and, and pray these things like tomorrow. Pray for the nation. Pray for your family. Send the angels into battle. Put hedges around people, you know, and, and just show God. This, this part of our communion with him to do those things, to say it is. Our prayers, well, all the church's prayers should be really um, directed against defeating this enemy, enemy of our family, of our friends, and even, and of course, they're definitely the enemy of the of the church. And you know, you, you some of you have seen uh, you, when you've been witnessing to try to get people and the truth revealed. You've seen the battle we're in. People come up with every excuse under the sun to refuse to believe, refuse to come, refuse to listen, tell you all about how much they know which is incredibly little, and that's what they believe in. Somebody again reminded me of the people who turn around and say, I have faith, and I know I'm going to heaven. I don't need anyone else. I just know. Well, they don't. There is. There is the darkness. This is why we begin to, we must, more and more have this communion with God. And we had a nice little teaching a couple of weeks ago about the Sabbath. And I believe that we ought to 
uh, begin to use the Sabbath as God um, has asked us to do as a day of rest, as the Lord intended, to wind down, you know, spend our time with, of course, the family. That's really important. Not rushing about trying to do stuff, but spending time with each other and the family. And of course, and also using Sunday to spend um, time, uh, me time with the Lord. And that's so important. That's the sort of communion he, he wants for us. But don't forget, communion is um, something that God has instructed us to do um, in this time. Um, it's the, you know, Jesus, we know who, who set it up, the Last Supper. It was our Jesus, and it was to remember him and all that he has done um, for us and also and has left for us to escape the world's um well the enemy isn't it? escape the, the enemy and way of living most of us have grown up in a non-believing home uh, some of us although we went to church for most of our life actually uh, learned very very little of the bible truths that god intended to give to um, all mankind it is a time to get further into the intimacy with God. And that's what he loves, our creator, to ask for our forgiveness of our sins daily. And we know that. Um, and it's so, so important that, you know, <laughs> we read stuff like, Paul, I die daily. And, you, know, and I, you know, and I really understand that. He has to keep battling himself to kill these, these natural instincts to do what he wants to do, to try to do the things that God has asked him to do. And, you know, we, we are, we, sometimes we, all human beings, you know, um, have not too much order in their life and we, it all gets out of order. And, and, you know, we have lots of things that seem to come against us, um, stopping us um, having that beautiful, close communion with God that he expects um, us to have. Beautiful relationship that Jesus Christ had with his father. And you know that everything he did, he began to know that um, something was going to happen everywhere he went. And that's an amazing expectation, isn't it? And that every single one of us can have that. Remember this. The more we lift him up, God says, in this world, the more he lifts us up. Isn't that beautiful? The more that we go to him, the more he comes to us. The more we try to do with him, the more he gives us. And you know, none of us can, the whole world with all their giving cannot outgive God. So when, whatever you need, God is there to, to do that. So, the more we turn away from the worldly things and turn to him, the more he supports us. The more we talk, um, we call that pray um, to him, um, the more he talks to us. So with that, let's, let's share our communion with God today because this is what he told us and he told us to get together in remembrance of him. To, to, to remember what he's, what he, not what he only has done, one of the most important things for us is what he's going to do um, with each one of us for our future. And that is quite 
and that is quite amazing. So we're going to read um, from the part where God asks, asks us to examine ourselves in 1 Corinthians 11, 27, and I'm going to, to read that. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he, he who eats and drinks in unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body, for this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Isn't it marvelous what God does for us? So he judges us and just tries to show us where we are, so we won't be condemned. Isn't it beautiful, God's word? So we're going to go through a time of repentance. And this week, I'm going to go on mute. And we will all spend that time on our own repentance. We know where we've been. We know what we've done. We know what we haven't done. And this is a time for us to have that close, personal talk with God about us, about me, about you, with him asking him to forgive all that we have not done what we should have done and for the things that we've done wrong. So let us all have our own repentance now in Jesus' name. Let's repent. So going from 1 Corinthians um, 12, 11, 23 to 26. This is what Paul wrote to the uh, Corinthians. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in it which he prayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take our bread to remember all the suffering that Jesus Christ had to take so we could be free. Let's take our bread. In the same manner, he also took the cup. He took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is my new covenant in my blood. So blood had to be shed for us to have that last sacrifice that our sins could be forgiven. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's just thank God for his son Jesus for the blood that was shed for all of us. Let's take the cup. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. 
And remember what Paul said. He all he wanted to do was preach Jesus crucified. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you, Father, for your forgiveness. Thank you for washing us clean this morning in your blood. Thank you for the word that washes us clean also, Father. And so, Lord, we come to that part where, Lord, we will hear the word of God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for, for all that you do for us, Lord. And now, Father, we come to the time of uh, your word. And today uh, we have uh, one of our members, Kevin, who is going to give us the word of God. And, and let us remember what God is doing with us. You know, that throughout all the word we're doing, the study we're having, we now have people giving a 10-minute teaching every week, and, and that's the training. That's the training for people to get used to preparing and, and giving the word of God. And, and we have some uh, men who uh, have, have asked if they could um, preach the word of God. And so, yet again, uh, this is part of God's training um, for our church, so that uh, men will be able to give this word of God to encourage and let God use them to, to give that word of God. So remember, everyone, that there is going to be a day uh, when um, God will require you to also have a go at preaching as well. It's just God's loving way to train the men of God. Amen. So God bless you, Kevin. May the Lord be with you. May he spirit fill you. May you be anointed with your speaking. May God use you to give his word to bless us. In Jesus' name, amen. Over to you, preacher. Thank you, Mark. Well, what a wonderful service so far. Even the songs, everybody who's spoken as well, it all lines up perfect with what I'm about to say. So thank you for that. Churchill, I want to ask you a question then. We've all been blessed and we all are blessed. Now, how can, or can, or can we, repay God's goodness to us. Have you ever thought about it, or even if we can? I'll tell you a little story, a little testimony, if you like, first, and then I'll move on. So about three years ago, I got into a lot of trouble, as you all know, most of you, a lot in debt. I didn't know where to turn or who to turn to. I couldn't see any way out. And the stress and anxiety was all just too much. It was all overpowering as we know. I even tried to take my own life, as we said before. I'm not going to go on, but God had other plans for me. In Jeremiah 29, 11, he tells us, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. I didn't realize at the time how much people that really cared for me and loved me. And with the help and support from my wife, my family, our pastor and our church, I saw me and got me through all this trouble. Or was it? I kept praying and going to church and everything. In Ephesians 3, this how I felt myself. Who says... Unto me, Paul speaking, unto me who am less than all the saints. That is how I felt. I was like I was beneath everyone else. 
So thank you again to everyone for all your help and support in getting me through this. I've been working long hours, weekends, a lot of you know me anyway, doing that to pay off this debt. And now I'm so pleased to say it is now cleared. But it doesn't stop there. Though I was paying back some months over £500 a month on top of all my bills as well. God, we never went without anything. We even went on a wedding holiday to Cyprus to all this. And yes, I was working and working long. God gave the increase on everything that I'd done and everything I was doing. Looking back on this time, I realized God was there every step of the way, which is why I pondered on this, on this thought. Can, can we repay God's goodness? Or we can, let's make this personal then. How can I repay God's goodness to me? And ask yourself that same question. How can we repay that goodness? Sadly, we say we will spend time with God, but that's where it ends. We don't. We, and we don't. We don't say, we say we are going to keep our promises to God. We don't. We just go on living the same way of life. We don't offer our services or our worship with joy as we, as we ought to. In, in Psalms 116, David, he, has, he gives us some, some light on this. Before, I, before we do, I'd like every, all of us just to think just for a moment on what God has done in your life and how we, how we can we pay him for it. Because we have been blessed in so many ways. We just take it for granted day by day. So if we can... Can we just have a thought while I'll keep on reading for a while, for a moment, if you can just have these thoughts to yourself. So if you're like me, you've been told that there is no point in trying to repay God for everything he has given us. In fact, why would you even think about doing such a thing? Repaying God for what he has done for us would require us paying him back for the million breaths, millions of breaths we have taken, for the millions of heartbeats that have kept us alive year after year, even without us knowing, and for most of our childhood, it will require. We add up all the sunrises and the sunsets, every ocean wave, every flower that has made us smile, and comp compensate him for those gifts. We would need to repay him for the ability to enjoy the, the melody of the songs and the hymns that we hear every time. We would need to calculate the delight and satisfaction of every meal that we've ever enjoyed, since it is he who provided every delicious piece of fruit and every juicy steak that we eat, as well as the taste buds to enjoy them. To cap off our repayment plan, we would have to repay God for the life he has given us. And Christians, we would need to include this in a double portion. 
since we have been given a new birth as well. Clearly, the worth of God's kindness and the value of what he has given us for our enjoyment is utterly incalculable. Yes, there are plenty, plenty of blessings that we've all had. As I said before, we've just taken for granted, move on with our lives, make the promises, say we're going to do this, that, the other, but then we do nothing. David, in Psalms 116, he ponders on this, this very question, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? It appears then that there is some value in at least pondering and considering the question. David himself, he has an answer. And it's not nothing. We have to do something if we want to move. David, answer involves a cup, a calling and a vow. He first says, I will lift up the cup of salvation. What is this cup of salvation? The latter part of the psalm suggests that the cup of salvation is a form of thanksgiving. In verses 17 18, instead of talking about a cup, a call, and a vow, David talks about thanksgiving, a call, and a vow. Lifting up the cup of salvation is highlighting the fact that God has saved, delivered David from his enemies, highlighting what God has done for him would surely lead to thanksgiving. Do we thank God enough for what we do? So David intends to repay God for all his goodness by highlighting how abundant that goodness has been and thanking the Lord for it. And by lifting up the cup of salvation, David probably also looked forward to future enjoyment of what particular grace in other words, God will continue to deliver David and will continue to sustain him. Secondly, David intends to repay God by calling on the name of the Lord. And here, these things get really fascinating. How does he intend to appropriately repay God for all the things he has done for him? He asks him to do more for him. By asking him, do even more. This is precisely what we see in the beginning of the psalm. Psalm 116.1-2 I love the Lord because he has, he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy because he inclined his ear to me and therefore I will call on him as long as I shall live. So asking God to give us more of what he has already given us might be one of the most appropriate ways to respond to his grace and his kindness. These are the vows that David will pay the Lord. 116.14 What about you? What vows will you pay to the Lord? What does it look like for you to lift up the cup of your salvation? To thank the Lord for all his benefits, the weeks, the days, that you enjoy made up of 10 million God-given bits of blessings intended to make you smile, intended to help you enjoy the life that God has given you, intended for you to respond to God by thanking him, raising your cup of salvation of your life, 
Every prayer God has rewarded to sustain your energy, to grow you in patience, to provide for finances, to heal your disease. It's a loving gift of a father who loves to give you good gifts. The response to receiving much from God is to ask, ask him for more because he has heard your voice and your pleas for mercy. Therefore, call on his name as long as you shall live. How can I repay the Lord all the good he has done for me? Says the psalmist again. He can't possibly repay him enough for what God has done, yet he can thank him. He gives us four ways to do this. Spend time with God, thanking him. Psalm 116.13 I will take the cup of salvation and will call on the name of the Lord. Did you know that this is what the Lord's Supper is all about? It, it, it is a communion with God, simply spending time with God and thanking him for his goodness in my life, in your life, church. You know that when we celebrate Thanksgiving, we spend time with other people. We come together, we play games, watch football. We sit down to eat our, our, our meals, our drinks. Why not do the same with God? Take some time reading the Bible. Spend time thanking him for what he has done. Dine with him over the Lord's Supper. and Thank him for his goodness in your life. And there is loads. The first way God showed goodness in your life is by creating you. And the second way is by saving you. So in essence, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we eat, we eating a Thanksgiving meal every time we celebrate Jesus' death. The first way to thank God is to spend time with him. The second way is to keep my promises. I will fulfill my vows to the, sorry, I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of his people. That's Psalm 116.14. He says, I will pay my vice to the Lord now, not tomorrow, not never, not I'll think about it. He's going to do it now, and so should we. When I keep my promises, promise to someone, it shows that I value them. The psalmist is reminded that because God kept his promise. He will return by keeping his promises to God. The psalmist says, he will keep, keep himself honest by keeping those promises in public view of others. Perhaps he announced what he plans to do to the public to keep himself accountable. Even if he made his vow public, God still expected him to keep the vow. Because your word is your bond. It shows how much you value the other person. If I want to value my relationship with God, I will keep my promises to him. I will offer my services to God because I value him as much as he values me. Psalm 116, 15-16 Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. So when a person offers, offers their service to you, services to you, they are telling you they have value, 
and they want to be a part of that. They don't offer their service, services for selfish reasons. They offer, offer their services to you because they value the relationship that they have with you. God values you, created you, saved you. When you die, he looks forward to being with him, you being with him. Right now, God can be with me, but I can't be with God. I, ca I can't leave earth and walk into heaven. I can't spend time with, I can, and so, sorry, I'll read that again. I can't leave earth and walk into heaven and spend time with him. But God can leave heaven and spend time with me. I have to die in order to see God. That is why my death is valuable to, to God. He values the relationship with me, and that is why he created me and saved me. In return, I should value that same relationship with God. I should offer my services, not because I owe, I owe God, but because I value my relationship with him. I show that I value my relationship with God when I spend time with him. I keep my promises to him and when I offer my services to him. Also, I worship the, our God with joy. Psalm 116, 17 to 19, it says, I will offer you a sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord, the presence of all his people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem. Praise God. The worship comes from the heart. When I want to thank God, I can say so through worship. Worship is a unique expression of thanksgiving to God. No one expresses thanksgiving to someone begrudgingly. If you really want to give thanks, then it will truly come from the heart. And that's how one should give thanks to God in worship, with a heart that expresses joy. I praise not out praise not out of obligation, but from a sense of joy in the relationship I have with God. I can spend time with God, keep my promises to him, offer my services as well as my worship, all for a thankful heart. We can't pray we can't possibly repay God of everything that we do. If we do keep his promises and his commandments, he just keeps rewarding you again, time and time and time again. No matter how much we think we can repay him, it is impossible to do so. But in keeping his word and doing what we say we're going to do, that's what pleases God. And, and giving him thanks daily for everything that we do. We say we're going to read, well, he'll thank you for that. We're going to witness, he'll thank you for that. We're going to tithe, we're going to, he's going to thank you for that. No matter what you do, he keeps on rewarding you openly, time and time and time again. The church today, we have to start. For the work we do out of faith and obedience to this word, we are all so blessed. So church, let us start today. Let's find, spend time with God. Make, make time. You make time for your football, for your pleasures, for everything else in your lives. 
put God first, spend time with God, we reward you for that. We keep his promises to him. Let us offer our service to him. It's not offering our services to Mark, for our church. It's offering it to God. Let us look at it that way. Let us move forward as a church, as a church body. We can and we will be blessed for everything we have done. Let's worship him from the heart with joy. We all we owe all of this to him for everything he has done. He's doing and will always do be doing in our lives. We just take everything for granted. We take it for granted on a Sunday morning that Mark's going to be there to do our church for us to preach. Someone else is going to be there to do the songs. Someone else is going to do the readings, the tithes and offering, everything. We just take it all for granted. Let's start to give thanks, church, for our God, what he's truly been doing in our lives every step of the way. In John 4, 14, 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But you see me, because I live, and you shall live also. And that day you shall know, I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He is here with us, church. Whatever we do, wherever we go, whether you like it or not, when you sin, he's there. We've said it before, we can keep on sinning, but we can get back with God one step back. Let us move forward as a church from this day. Let's remember to give thanks, not be, self, not be selfish in the things that we're doing. Help one another, love one another as Jesus first loved us. Let us grow our church building together. Each and every one of us can help one another. There's no I in the team. It is, all, it is about everyone else. And showing that love is what Jesus has wanted us to do. So don't forget, with every meal you take, every drink you take, sorry, every meal you have, every song you listen to and every breath you take. Yes, Mark said earlier on, we will have trials and tribulations. That was in John. In 1633, something like that. We will have trials and tribulations, but you know, God's in there every step of the way with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll give him thanks daily. Make time for him. He'll make time for you. Thank you, church, for listening. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you very much indeed. That's excellent. Well, well done. And as Kevin said, you know, it's quite amazing, isn't it? All the things that have been said today, how, how it's joined together seamlessly. It's just brilliant. That's God. It's, it's us doing the work of God and following the things he's asked us to do. And that's what he'll do for us. So well done, Kevin. Thank you very much indeed for letting God use you this morning. So we're just going to take out, have our worship song. And this, and this song has been requested by Kevin to finish um, today's service, then Ted will give us um, the closing prayer. So let us prepare ourselves to worship again. Thank you. Pray.
as I struggle alone. And they say I have nothing, but they are so wrong. In my heart, I'm rejoicing. Praise God. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Thank you, Kevin. Um, Ted, could you close our service in prayer, please? Hey, God. Our Heavenly Father, my Father here on earth. Father, I thank you for this opportunity today to come to you again in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus. My Father, we love being here. Yes. We have his fellowship with you, our God. And thank you for the teachings today from Mark, Kevin. Thank you for the blessing of everybody in this church, Father. We might not be many in numbers, Father, maybe few in numbers, but we all come for one accord, and that is to praise and worship you, Father, because we love you and we are so grateful for what you do for us every day in our lives. Blessed are we to know you, Father. Blessed are we to be called your children. Blessed are we to be saved by you, brought out of the darkness and into the glorious light of our Lord Jesus. And we know, Father, there's nobody who loves us more than you. <laughs> you hold our hearts in your hand, Father. And we know our heart will never be broken by you, Father. You'll just be filled with more love more peace, more happiness, blessed by you, our Lord. Well, thank you, Father. You're such a wonderful God. I just don't know where we've been, Father, without you. 
such a powerful God. And when we come to you in prayer, you, can, you answer our prayers, Father. You see us in our prayer. You see us crying in our prayers, Father. You see the joy when you feel what we have asked you for. Such a powerful God. Nothing is impossible with you, God. All things are possible. We stay with you, Father. Keep that belief, keep that faith. It's such a powerful God. God who created all heavens, the earth, the sun, and all things in them. We should know, Father, just by that. We, we know you created these, Father. There's nothing that you cannot do for us. We stick with you, Father. And we do trust in you, our Lord. We put our life in your hands because we know we are safe with you. We know you will never hurt us. You just grow us and strengthen us and prosper us. So, Father, help us as a church to stay strong and stand on the rock of your word and to grow with you, Father, in our faith. And help us to go out and to preach the gospel, Father, preach your word. And Father, we as Christians are meant to shine the light of our Lord Jesus Christ. Go out there and change the world and not run away from it, Father. Help us to do this, Father. Yes. Continue to bless us. Continue to heal the ones who are sick in our church, Father, and our families as well. And strengthen the ones who are struggling, Father, because many people struggle with the way things are, with the way the world is, Father. And Father, we pray for the world to get this vaccine manufactured faster, get it out faster, Father, so people can stop dying, families can stop grieving. And Father, the world can come back to some kind of normality. Amen. And then, Father, we can get back in that church, in your church, Jesus, and have a <laughs> fellowship together and hug each other and kiss each other. <laughs> we do. But we love you, our Lord Jesus. We love you with all our heart, all our mind, all our strength, all our might. Help continue to grow us. But we know sometimes we're weak. Father, be with us this week. Continue to bless us. Continue to light that path, the light of our Lord Jesus Christ, to help us to walk this righteous path, Father, for you. Father, this I pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Praise God, Ted. Thank you very much indeed. What a heartfelt prayer as well excellent thank you very much we've had a lovely service and i wish to give god all the thanks all the honor all the glory for what he can do with each one of us and that's so important to remember every one of us god um, can do with you the things that you could never think you could do i promise you so thank you god for again just being with us today and been with everyone that's taken part. Father, this uh, lovely service, Father, and you are lovely. That's what you're there for. So God bless everyone. Keep them safe and keep, uh, keep us all praying on our knees. And let us be fervent to the Lord and love one another and support one another like he asks. Well done, everyone. Well done, everyone. And good morning to Math this morning as well. And good to... Good to no, you're there, although I can't see you. Hallelujah. 
So God bless you all. And I look forward to those who are on The Truth Revealed tomorrow and then on Wednesday. And don't forget, if you need anything, just ring someone in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.